Welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm Rob, and welcome to the House of X Book Club. Uh, of course, we are reading 1960s X-Men comics one to uh, whenever. I think we're just going to keep going until, you know, until they tell us we can't. Uh, I'm here with members of the Quiet Council and Shane. Um, <laughs> the Whisper Consortium Chair. <laughs> the Whisper Consortium. At any rate, uh, I've got Drew with me. Hey, Drew, how's it going? Pretty good. How about yourself? Fantastic. And I've awesome. got Rowan. Hello. And, and of course, Shane. Howdy. So it was a good time talking about X-Men last time, you guys. We're going to do it again, of course. Issues 17 and 18. Before we go into it, what did you guys think? Are you enjoying the reading? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely progressively getting better. I am enjoying it. Uh, we might as well dip in, right? Um, X-Men number 17 came out December 2nd, 1965. Favorite it, cover so far. Yes. Is that right? It's yeah. a pretty yeah, like cool cover. cover. Yeah, it's a pretty cool cover. So the cover is all red, and it looks like it just has a pile of X-Men in it. Um Everybody is thrashed and on the ground, and the big caption says, and no one shall survive. Uh, spoiler here, they all survive. Uh, I do like how it tells you not to give any spoilers, though. Like, there's that, you must not reveal the incredible ending. Like, I like the little stamp it, on the front that tells you not yeah. to reveal the ending. Yeah, and, and it says that, remember, we'll be watching you. Because, you know... Charles Xavier no is kidding. always with you. It's always with you. So, so uh, the writing on this, of course, is Stanley. Again, Jack Kirby doing the layouts. The pencils are by Jay Gavin, a.k.a. Werner Roth. Dick Ayers doing the inks. Artie Simon doing the, the lettering. And Stanley, of course, editing. editing. Same as, you know, same as it has been for a little while. Um, we're getting closer and closer to the issue that Kirby stopped doing layouts. Um, in fact, this actually is the last issue that Kirby does layouts. He won't be working on the X-Men after this. So, it's, uh, you know, we're going to soak it up and, and, you know, talk about it and kind of get that Kirby feel. And then, of course, he'll be gone. He'll be gone he by next be issue. He will be missed. Um, and I'm, I'm, my only regret is that Roger is not here tonight to, uh, celebrate, to give him, yeah, to give him a fond farewell. Um, so of course the title of this issue is, and none shall survive. So the story after the battle with the Sentinels, the X-Men find themselves in the hospital, like they're all wrecked. And then they get a phone call or excuse me, Charles Xavier, because he's got a lot of money has an answering machine and he checks his messages at home and realizes that Warren, aka Angel's parents are headed to the school to visit their son. Well, that's just going to blow everything up. So Charles is like, oh my God, what do we do? Ah, your parents are coming. What that does is it triggers everybody to like act like Keystone cops and run back to the school. So except for Iceman, by the way, because he is in a coma and he may die. So they all rush back to the mansion and they get captured by 
an unseen enemy. Like they're not telling us who this is. We always see this guy in the show, like we did it on the last panel of the last issue. He's in the shadows. We don't know who he is. He's uh, pretty badass, apparently. Um, he captures all the X-Men by, I don't know, layering the hallways with cellophane or wax or bacon grease. I don't know. At any rate, he catches them all. <laughs> what the hell is going on in this issue? Um, I mean, Man, that's the gist. You know, the that's, reason I was shaking yeah. my head so adamantly about recapping this issue is there's yeah. so much going on that there's no way yeah. I could have done it justice. <laughs> and there and there's not. We'll we'll end up talking at length about it. So um but at any rate, when we open the book, the first thing we see is a shit ton of military personnel talking to the X-Men. I wonder and, I was yeah. so to go back to your theory from earlier, I think it might have been Rowan's theory actually that um so all of these soldiers are painted solid green on the on the right hand side of the first page. Like toy soldiers. Yeah. Well, so are they toy soldiers or are they like um, jazz musicians I... in the in, in issue three? Oh yeah. yeah. Can I share my screen with you guys? Yeah. Because yeah. I have something completely different. So okay. Let, let, oh okay. Let me let me let's show see. us yeah, what you got. A... Show us what you got. So what we saw in issue seventeen in the <gasps> what we're talking about. Oh, oh wow. So in issue seventeen in the remastered, I guess you could say for right. For Marvel Unlimited and for the omnibuses and everything like that, yeah. all of the soldiers on the right-hand side of the page are just solid green. And the theory was, was back in an earlier issue and on one of the earlier episodes we talked about was that um, that all of the jazz musicians in the cafe the first time they visit were all solid blue. And we thought that that was their inclusion of minorities in the book. Or yeah, at least a way color. to create like a kind of plausible deniability of of it you know what i mean like yeah. it's a way of like of making it not all white people but not but letting the white people not think that there's black people in the club you yeah. know what i mean like so i have a i have a secondary theory and it it just came to me because of drew's revelation here drew is showing us his screen and on his page, the coloring is so different. In fact, everything uh, is different. Everything is different. So on the page that I showed from Marvel Unlimited, what I thought was military guy in green is he's actually wearing white on the uh the, yeah, the so copy those that are Drew medics. Has. They're so there's, medics. Yeah. there's cops, there's military, and there's medics. Now the military and guys aren't wearing green except for the hel helmets. They're wearing brown, uh kind of like khakis. Mm -hmm. And they're not shaded in solid color you can see the color of their skin so my right. secondary theory right, is right. this my secondary theory is that maybe you're right about them wanting to include people of color but not actually come out and say that they're including people of color but that wasn't done until they scanned and redigitized you know for the omnibus and for marvel unlimited so that's a recent thing um they're they're basically making note that yeah there are no people of color included here and there should be I mean you know so I don't know I don't know but this page is gorgeous I got to tell you yeah it does it 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 changes everything I it mean does. from from the and none shall survive banner at the top of the page uh -huh. um the the stark white lettering is much better than the than the ooh look fire 
kind yeah. of that they did in the Marvel Unlimited. Um, yeah. And just like the, the, and it could just be, you know, because it's, it's newsprint and all of that, but it looks like they, all of these characters have been in action. Whereas mm-hmm. the art from the Marvel Unlimited looks much more sterile. It's mm-hmm, clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very clean. It yeah, it looks um like even Iceman. I mean Iceman right. looks pretty toe up right here. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Iceman. But it's also cool. interesting that Iceman is standing there. Yeah, that's notable. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Because he should be in a coma, am I right? Right. He was. <laughs> he was. He was. He was in the ass cheeks of life in the last panel. The last issue. That's and right. Now he's just hanging out. He just has a sore wrist. That's it. They're checking his wrist. And they're all done. For, for me, going from this cover to this super dynamic page was just awesome. And then now, like seeing your guys's version on Marvel Unlimited, I that. Yeah, it's kind uh, of that, disappointing. Yeah, the art our our first page is incredibly disappointing compared to yours. Yeah. Ah, uh, I think that Marvel Unlimited. I mean, it's a great resource, but they are doing us a little dirty. They're think... toying with the history of of the books. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe so. it's maybe it's just strictly due to file size and server space. Could be, or it could be mind control via Charles Xavier. Oh my there gosh. You go. <laughs> Put Another it on crime. The list. Another crime of Xavier. Yeah. Crime of Xavier. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, look at this. The look coloring at... is great here. The... And and that's the thing too is that when you read when you digitize something like that, it's I mean, you're not you know, it's it's gonna be you you, you got a different colorist. We don't know who the colorist is for this book. Um and it was probably some some intern or some freelancer who just came in and slapped it together and they didn't get any credit for it. But this book that you're showing us now, Drew's copy of the scans of the exact image. The colors are really dynamic and really interesting. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the okay, mind I'll go control. Ahead. I'll go ahead and stop sharing and we can we can Look at the other version. If we must. <laughs> so one of the things I noticed is, and it, it does seem to continue throughout the first couple pages, is it looks like the beast has one leg that's shorter than the other and one foot that's bigger than the other. Uh, it's because it's swollen. You see that he's got a bandage around his foot. Okay. Okay. I can, I can, I can buy that. Um, Wait, that is the bigger one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> making excuses here that's interesting so i had in my notes that stuff i wanted to talk about was the busy first panel full uh full page panel the x-men are getting med help med help from the military and i like how it's a full page and so busy like there is so much detail that i don't know it's it's pretty awesome yeah it is it's great and 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 drew's version was the best it was 10 times it was even better yeah yeah, Although absolutely. I'm comparing and contrasting the two right now, and other than the you know the weird coloring thing, the detail is is the same. You, you're, there's no loss of detail on the Marvel Unlimited version of it, other than the colors. Other than the colors, well, sometimes that does make a difference. So, like yeah, uh, you know, I'm because... looking at Xavier's head on your page, and the shading along the side of his head gives him more definition. 
whereas there isn't really a whole lot of shading on the side of his head on my page. The color mm -hmm. isn't different. It's just maybe it's a little darker, but there's like some redness to it in yours. There's, you know, there's like fleshy color. There's life. I think it, I think it definitely adds more definition and. Well, not only yeah. that, but if you think about it too, like two shows ago, I complained about how the coloring on the on the Sentinels looked like um, looked like a kid had come in with a box of crayons and just kind of colored in like big blocks of it. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was just the the digi digitation process. I don't know if that's a word or not, but I just made it one. <laughs> It is. It is now. Yeah, it's part of the whisper, uh, the whisper consortium vocabulary. Um, <laughs> but no, the, so when they digitize these things and change some of the art and stuff, they it it's possible that that's was the coloring issue with the Sentinels. Yeah, could very well be interesting stuff. Interesting. You know, I spent a lot of time reading books about Marvel comics and reading Marvel comics and reading books about the creators and the process and and toyed with writing myself. You know, and and the uh, the interesting thing is, is that I I have to remember that right now the 1990s and the early 2000s are still comic book history, mm -hmm. and and I need to go back and look at some of the processes that were done then. Um, you know, to me, a lot of recent comics are the year two from the year 2000, 2005, and that's. It's almost 20 years ago <laughs> oh, or, over, or, or over over 20 years ago. Yeah. Jeez. And I thought I was a little bit behind having a month's worth of books to look at. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been reading comics since honestly, since Shane introduced me, well, I've been reading comics since before that, but heavily since Shane introduced me to the X-Men uh, back in 1980, 88 or 89. 89. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but anyway, I amazing. was one years old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I acted like I was one years old. I was pretty young. Um, so it was in eighth so, yeah, grade. A lot of stuff going on here. Um, the military, by the way, is grateful for Xavier's help. The military, the police, they're they're grateful for the X Men, and they're grateful for uh for Xavier himself. Um. In fact, there's a cop who's taking a statement from Professor X saying, we got a CD you getting home. And he's like, oh, don't worry about me, officer. My car is parked right over there. Maybe one of the X-Men could drive me home. The X-Men who he erased from their minds. And now he's like, <laughs> oh, maybe they'll take me home. Ugh. Yeah, there's 20 dudes in this picture. And none of them remember that the X-Men were there. Well, it's a good thing they know they're there now because they're getting medical help. <laughs> you know, Um so so yeah it's he he in this story professor xavier makes a comment about how he had to release the mental control so that the x-men got a fair shake so that they got the praise for doing a good job mm -hmm. um so he's making a comment there that yeah i've been mind controlling people but i need to stop doing that because cuz you know them doing good deeds is going to make them look good. Certainly not people forgetting who they are, you know. Um, at any rate, maybe he's trying to uh, do some community service for all those misdeeds oh, and crimes. How big of him. Yeah. Um, but I want to show you guys, I want to take a look at page three. 
Iceman fell into a coma at some point between pages one and three. Yep. A deep coma. Now, uh, the first panel is the Sentinel base destroyed. It's like this big exploded mess. There's helicopters flying around the area, the perimeter. There's smoke rising. And there's these little army men running into the building to see what's up. Of course, they're going to find, you know, the dead sentinel with the dead ball over trust on top of them. But I think that that panel, that image is sweet. Uh, it is. Now, the it's coloring really is, yeah, the coloring is pretty, pretty vague. You know, there's not a lot of, it's, it's a long shot. So we're seeing not a lot of detail up close, but this is devastation. You know, this is like a big building just, just, destroyed and and it's pretty cool i mean they blew the whole landscape off of the top of it too yeah yeah exactly i didn't notice that but they totally did where's the yeah. trees yep <laughs> so we're in the hospital with bobby and bobby they're they're trying to check his pulse they are like oh my god he's he's close to dying do we know who his parents are if we could just call his parents and xavier's pretending not to really know him but he's there you know, right? Like, yeah, um, he's no. I'm just. I'm here to hang out. No, nobody mm -hmm. knows who his parents are. I. Th I think he was a homeless kid, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you got the doctor who's like, man, if if only we knew. It's too bad that we can't, you know, find out who his parents are. But I want to point out that's Iceman in the hospital. Then we go to Beast's room on the next page. Look at the Beast. Is is first panel on that page? He's sitting in bed reading a book, wearing glasses. Now, he still has his mask on, but he's wearing glasses over his mask. And I assume it's because he's farsighted and now he's reading a book. That You you would think that that would come up while fighting somebody. Yeah, maybe you know? he, he yeah. should be wearing, like, goggles or something, you know, like those the ones that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar used to wear <clears throat> to play basketball. In. That's right. <laughs> I, uh, I have something that I have in my notes mm -hmm. on this page that it looks like in your version – they have rectified. Professor Xavier telepathically tells Hank in this panel, this first panel, remember, Hank, do not under any circumstances remove your mask and, no and another word of caution, act as though I'm merely a casual friend and no one must suspect I'm actually your leader. Then at the bottom of this, on your version, he speaks verbally and says, no, beast, he is still in the critical, in critical condition. In mm -hmm. my version, he says, no, McCoy, he is still in critical oh. condition. <laughs> and in my oh. notes i specifically say why is xavier verbally calling him mccoy in front of a doctor yeah so that's yeah. one thing they fixed in the scans <laughs> all ted history thanks to marvel comics yeah and mind control mind um, control yeah well xavier has escaped that crime against mutant kind um <laughs> that's funny that's really good to know that's really good to know. Um, now, Shane, reading from the Omnibus, right? I was. I, I actually switched over to Marvel Unlimited so that I could, oh. take, I could take it to work and read them on my lunch break. Yeah, very nice. good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I'm um, not carrying that big damn thing to work. Jesus, I know. <laughs> I, I have to say that I wish I had gotten a hold of the X-Men Omnibus. Uh, I didn't start buying the Omnibus until Uncanny X-Men. And... And so I have one, I'm like one through four minus number two. And then I've yeah. got like uh, all the others. But if I'd had the early ones, 
Rowan could be reading these books without me, but as it turns out, we read them together on Marvel Unlimited. So that's um, all right. I I one time I dropped that book in my lap and thought I smashed my genitals. I oh. it just yeah, it just was I was going to sit down on the bed because I was gonna lay down and read and it slipped out of my hand and it was like, oh no, I'm sterile. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those are hefty books. You know, I'm reading through this book and I'm reading the bit that you just mentioned where he tells Hank not to pull his mask off and keep his identity secret. And I started thinking, this is where I started actually thinking, I worry that I'm looking at Xavier in a bad light when I shouldn't be. Maybe, maybe he's not all that bad. Maybe I'm hoping something redeems him in my eyes, you know? Keep on uh, hoping, sister. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know that it'll happen, but I, I, I just remember really being into Xavier like in the 90s or in the in 89 and such. When I started reading the X-Men, he wasn't around. He was gone. And he was he kind was, of like a mythic figure that they all looked up to. Yeah, yeah. He, I just remember knowing about him and reading about him, but nothing with him. And so Xavier was this, this myth, this legend, and it was because of him that the X Men were even a thing. And it's uh, also because of him going into all of their brains and making him look like a myth and a legend before yeah. he took off in outer space. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Good point. I I think that I have bounced back to like, no, Professor X is really just a dick. <laughs> He really is, and and he really is in this issue too, because the whole thing is, is him, him framing the team's vulnerability. Like he mm-hmm. even, like you knew that parents were going to show up because he was even thinking about the uh, if somebody's parents, if somebody's parents became vulnerable, it would make the team vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If something happened to one of the kids parents oh what would that would mean for the team like he doesn't think oh no that would be bad yeah. oh that oh and oh too like oh oh sad if something happened to gene gray's parents oh sad if something happened to hank's parents he thinks oh what that would mean for the team right. how vulnerable <laughs> that would make the team and then here he is talking to beast and he's like oh uh think of the team you know he's basically telling him you know to, pre- to to pretend they don't know each other because of of what it means. That's that's peer pressure right there, man. Mm-hmm. Well, so here's another thing that we're not even talking about. Xavier is mind controlling the entire hospital. Right. <laughs> is he though? Is he? Why? Why? Because he's not a relative of any right. of these people right. and they're letting him just go from room to room mm-hmm. right I, right i figured they did that because he was the famous professor xavier i mean which they shouldn't they wouldn't be letting him though just because i you know? vaguely remember him saying something about like being their basically their patron for this particular instance being like oh these guys helped us out let's pay for their medical bills kind of thing yeah he did I actually could be make wrong. a comment he did make a comment about how 
they were all connected to that whole fentanyl. Thing. I mean, there is no such thing as the TSA in the '60s. He could just go wherever he wanted. Even, yeah. even still, the doctors, <laughs> the doctors would not let him in the room, even if he was paying their medical bills. Right. Oh, you want to pony up the cash? Yeah, come on in here. I'll, while I take his third, while I take the beast temperature rectally. He. Oh, I, I bet Xavier would be into that. <laughs> he probably would be. Also, I I'm bugged by the fact that. Uh, Iceman could be dying, and he's still letting him die anonymously. Yeah, yep. Like he could die anonymously. And then the whole plot device with Warren's parents being upset because he hasn't checked in. It's it's a day. Like right. They they had the 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 debate in the morning. They went and fought the Sentinels, and it's still the same day. How often does Warren <laughs> check in with his family that they're freaking out because of a day? I mean, how close mm. are they? They don't even know he has wings. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering the fact that he is definitely over 18 because they celebrated his birthday at one point. And mm. he's at boarding school. Like, mm -hmm. Why would they care? He's just off doing boarding school things. Yeah. Yep. Um, again, I want to point out the artwork in some of these panels. Uh, obviously, Werner Roth loved <clears throat> loved Angel. Uh, any chance he got to spread those wings and draw him. There's a panel here where Angel is in the hospital, and he's flying above all these cute nurses holding a telephone. Um, and they're all looking up at him, you know, like, uh, he's calling, oh, the angel is calling the automatic phone answering device at the X-Men headquarters to learn if there were any messages while they were away. It's funny. I get this like gossipy nurse feeling. Um, and it reminds me again of how writer Roy Thomas said that he liked Werner Roth's artwork, but didn't think he was a good fit for the X-Men because he was really used to drawing uh romance comics and not action comics and then you're looking at this and this does look like a romance scene almost from like you know some kind of dr kildare style uh uh comic strip right and he's like yeah these, you think you went to nurses. stanley and was like can we set these in the hospital more often <laughs> yeah <laughs> hospital but... coffee shop maybe they go to the, they have a fight at the movies you think we could do something mm -hmm. at the movies dan but but isn't it true? I mean, don't you guys feel this way too? Isn't the X Men like one of the most soap opera ish comic books that Marvel had? I mean, all the Marvel comics at some point get there, but the X Men, I think, it, it perfected it. Am I wrong in that? No, no, I, mean, I think yeah. I think most right. people agree with that. I think most and, people. Yeah. So so Roy Thomas was a great writer, and I don't know, he still might be, but he. Uh, this, you know, I think he he missed it. I think that that Werner Roth was onto something, and and uh, I I think that he continues through these issues we're reading to add something really cool to the book. I'm impressed with how distinct these nurses are. Yeah, they are. But They're that... all different. Yeah, even with it being like you know just such a small panel, there are four different different distinct drawings of women. Yeah. You know, one of them's back of the head, so it doesn't count. And then the one of it is so far back, it's kind of just a 
a nondescript picture. But even mm-hmm. even she has longer hair than all the others. Yeah, very true. You know, and it's and parted see... and, and kind of off to the one side. So. And then there and the... is is one the senior nurse is 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 older than the others. Yeah, and you're like yeah. you look at this picture and you're like, oh well, she's got a different uniform. She and she's you know a little bit older. She must she's probably in charge. Mm-hmm. Going through this issue. Uh, like I said, there was there's a lot of action that takes place. Um, Boy, he loves ex- Angel. Yeah, he does. Yep, love, yep. Uh, yeah, Werner Roth loves Angel, and he He's draws jacked. Him. He, yeah, <laughs> he, he draws him to to perfection in these pages. Because no, he um, was. Because no, think about it. Like in earlier issues, he was like tall and lanky. Now he's like, "Hey, Professor X, did you get your ticket?" <laughs> To the gun show. <laughs> yeah. He's got some cannons here. Um, jumps out the window to go fly back to the school to make sure everything's okay. Because, of course, his parents are on the way. Holy crap. If you look at Angel here flying above the Earth, the Earth, it's almost like you're looking at it through a fisheye lens. Like, the Earth is is round, you know the 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 image that you see is round, and it's like he's flying above the horizon. You know he's flying above the Earth, and you can see how it how it's an actual world. It's a round shape to it, and it's I don't know. It's just really cool. It's pretty simple, but it's pretty dynamic at the same time. That's because the Earth is round. Yes. Um, yes. I just, just in case anyone was listening, going like, "Yeah, tell him, Rob, it's flat Earth." <laughs> you're 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 right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Earth is round, and so is Angel. Is it though? <laughs> it is. Okay. Okay. So okay. <laughs> Drew and I are going to start another podcast, and we're just going to debate this whole subject. Um, kind of, kind of tangent related though. I used to work with a flat earther, oh, and we would oh, actually wow. have like conversations and debates about it, and it was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it would be crazy making. I mean, there's no way to win that conversation. No, and I you, know that. But well, yes, it is. You could show him a globe, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too deep. But um, you know that the my favorite flat earther is the um, the the um, rap artist Bob. So okay. But, I can't decide which pisses me off. The fact that he believes that the earth is flat or that B period O period B period is his stage name and his real name is Robert. (laughs) 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 It's not an acronym. It's not anything clever. It's dumber than you could possibly imagine. It's just (laughs) his name with a couple periods in between the letters, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, how is his rapping? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to dig into that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, Werner Roth loves drawing the angel. Yeah. And, and it, uh, I'm glad because it's yeah. so good. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um. So more stuff, of course, is that uh, angel, you know, hurries back to the the mansion and we get these panels of like the door opening up and this secret supervillain kind of peering out of the door and doing some monologuing. I, I find it funny. Like the supervillain. And super that gives it away right there. 
Yep. Who it is. No, right no, off the bat. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, that, okay. No spoilers. It does not spoil it on mine. And so I, this okay. really led me on the entire time. Yeah. So you were surprised at who the bad guy was. I was. Because this panel right here does not. So that we're looking for you listeners who cannot see. We're looking at a panel of the, the front door to the Xavier Mansion opening and a hand coming out of of the doorway because it's holding onto the doorknob. So we see the fingers of this hand. The gloved hand. And the glove is, in, in our version, purple. What color is the glove in your version? It's just a shadowed, maybe a shadowed pink, but every, every shadow is pink in this. So in, the, in my version, in this issue, everything is pink. So it's just a pink shadowy hand. Gotcha. So it just kind okay. of blends in with the rest of the shadows. Yeah. So the next panel shows that same scene, but you see the eyes peering through the, you know, out of the darkness with a little monologuing about how perhaps it will be even more satisfying to defeat the X-Men one at a time. It'll be, I will be, I will then be able to savor each individual victory. He's really bent on making them fall helplessly before him. The first one comes, I shall close the door again and wait. So he opened the door to talk to us the reader and i imagine that he did this because he wanted to make sure that we couldn't see him that he was hiding in the dark <laughs> but i don't know I, i'm I'm looking at this going why did he open the door to do all this couldn't he have just been inside and detected angel you know but it's uh you know stanley writing we'll see what happens the angel gets to the uh the mansion more angel around. porn yep more angel porn there's lots of beautiful panels of angel looking angelic and then he's like "Uh oh the front door's open and he goes in and automatically all kinds of shit starts flying at him <laughs> this battle axe from a suit of armor comes flying at him um <laughs> i i like this panel a lot for a funny reason so we're looking at a panel on page seven the last panel of the book where this suit of armor is holding a battle axe and the battle axe just goes flinging towards angel what I like is the architecture of the building. Look at those like mod 1960s recessed lights. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really cool that this like modern looking, you know, lighting system is in this room. And then you've got like this suit of armor. And then an know. antique bookshelf. And yeah, yeah no, you know, Professor X, he was updating the the interior of the mansion every couple of years. Cause you know, he was, it wasn't like he was blowing his whole load on, on supporting, you know, five strangers, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so angel flies around the mansion, like avoiding being hit by all sorts of stuff. Um, and and he's meanwhile chasing the bad guy too because he wants to catch whoever this is. He can't see who it is. Uh, and we of course will see the shadow here or there. Um, the bad guy puts up all kinds of traps, and finally he catches Angel. So that's pretty cool because I gotta say, and again, no spoilers, but knowing who the bad guy is, he used methods that would not normally be used by him. He was intentionally trying to trick us into thinking to, maybe he for, was somebody else for my own sanity at this point did the three of you guys know who the villain was because <laughs> i did not <laughs> i know who it was yeah. as, 
as soon as the issue started. I, okay. I seriously did. I was like, that at the end of the last issue, I was like, oh well, great. So it was just it was just me. I was alone. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. I knew I I have known who the bad guy in this issue was for like decades. Um, so this even this being the first time I actually read it. I, I already knew going in that he was he was going to show up. Nice. When I saw uh, the that... gloved hand, I was like, "Oh, I know oh, who yeah. this probably is." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't Actually, surprised. I, I think Rowan... but it definitely got me. Yeah, uh, I kind of felt like Rowan that you and I were reading the Sentinel issue, and when we saw the the shadow against the wall, we're like, "Ah." Oh. Yeah, I mean, I we did that at the end of the Sentinel issue. But yeah. we um, took a break from that, so it yeah. kind of left my mind, and so it kind of was fresh again reading the reading the next issue. So we go back to the hospital, and the doctor's trying to take off Cyclops' visor because you know it's routine in the hospital that I check your pupils. Um, and I think this is this is funny because Xavier, who's not really supposed to know too much about these kids rolls on in while they're doing this this uh you know he's not a patient he's not a doctor why are you in the examination room just just go away guy you know i don't i don't get this but he tele telepathically tells cyclops to go ahead and show him why you can't take off your visor and so cyclops zaps the the tool out of the guy's hand and he's like what you can't control your power i'm sorry you know um but it gives him it gives him the idea. Why couldn't Cyclops just have said that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, this whole, uh, yeah, like you said, this again is like Professor X can mind controlling the whole hospital to just yeah. let him go wherever the hell he wants to. And then he says, oh, can you uh, take me out to my car, Cyclops? Um, it's It's funny, too, that he's supposed to have one of the X-Men drive him home, but who, who does he suppose drove? Who does he tell people drove him there to begin with and just left his car someplace? You know? <laughs> How did his car get here? Yeah, well, somebody drove it. Yes. Where'd that guy Could yeah, paraplegics was... not drive in the 60s? He couldn't drive. He did have drivers, though. Huh, okay. And and I imagine that one of the X-Men drove that. No, he couldn't have. No, he mind controlled another rando to walk, <laughs> to go and get his car, grab the secret hidden key, drive it here, and then wander off back into his own life and not remember yeah. shit about it. Yeah. Because it's, it's the precedent has been set. That is how Professor X gets his car whenever he needs it. In the parking lot of a Woolworths, there's a mother freaking out because her seven-year-old kid just jumped in a car and drove off. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> and it's because Xavier just mind-controlled that kid to bring his car to him. <laughs> That's um, the what-if comic we need. What <laughs> if we just followed all of Xavier's little mind-wipe victims throughout the day? Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. I want to know what Professor X wants Cyclops to do with his shady arbor. Yeah. <laughs> Take me over there to that shady arbor. Well, that's where they get to talk in private. Um, okay, so 
there's there's a panel and I there's a bit where Cyclops says that he he calls himself a power blasting tiger if I remember correctly yes yes he does and you know what um, I want a power blasting tiger I even that's even <laughs> one of my notes right here <laughs> so that it's it's coming up after Professor X gets tied up by the machine. And yeah. I realized at this point that Professor- the mental wave distorter. Yes, the mental yeah. wave distorter. And I realized at this point that I realized is that that Professor X is evil, but it's because he's an alcoholic. <laughs> and he's changing everybody's memories of what's going on because this that this the 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 machine that's blacking out his brain, that's just a visual representation of his addiction to tequila. Mm. <laughs> you know, Professor Xavier. The first step towards recovery is admitting you have a problem. Yep. Yeah, here it is. And on page 11, it says, someone's playing a cat and mouse game with us. In any game like that, it's Cyclops who turns into the cat, into a power-blasting tiger. And my note was just, I want a power-blasting tiger. (laughs) (laughs) I remember laughing at that. Yeah. Yeah. We literally laughed out loud when we read this panel. (laughs) Power-blasting tiger. Well... Okay, so I don't I don't like Cyclops is not one of my favorites. Let me just say it. Uh I feel like he's often grumpy, way too serious, um, and and too mopey most of the time. But also I don't find him very interesting. This panel right here, he's starting to be interesting. Like he's got his fish his fist clenched and his eye beam at full blast and he you could tell that he's putting some emotion behind mm. it i'm like well wow. as a power yeah. blasting tiger he's a sourpuss it, it doesn't last as kathum you know he gets he gets blasted back because of a backlash but uh this I, villain has has literally captured these x-men so far i mean he you know he's cyclops behind a wall of impenetrable glass or plastic or plexiglass or yeah. And all this has taken place in the mansion. Here's one thing though, on this page as we're looking at it. So professor X succumbs to the tequila and then Mm -hmm. in the power blasting tiger panel, you said, like you said, Cyclops is making fists. How did he open his visor? Uh, Magnetism. Magnetism. Uh, That's right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, that's that's a good point because back then he had to like literally turn the dial on the side of his visor. Um, that's cool. Uh, I remember like thinking that that was a dumb convention. You know that that it's too bad he has to flip his visor open every time he wants to use the beam. It'd be cool if he could just use it mentally. But and I think later that shows up more. Like you know they don't they don't even bother him touching the side of his visor he still touches it though i feel like yeah i guess so i mean maybe um, that's just more of a you know I, I had to do this for the first 20 years i had this thing so right. now have it yep have it well page uh page 12 is it um he's in the dark the power goes out and the secretive villain is just beating the hell out of him and it's these panels of cyclops in full yellow and blue color in the dark and he's shooting his eye beam around trying to hit somebody yeah but this guy's like punching him from the front punching him from the back and this guy is just 
wrecking him. So Cyclops opens up his beam and spins around in a circle and still misses the guy. Yep. <laughs> but um, I, I, I like this page, though. I mean, mm-hmm. this is really cool. I, I like the play with the light and the shadow is mm-hmm. is a really interesting page. Ah, Rowan just made a sound <laughs> because <clears throat> when we get to this point in the book, Hank is just goofing off. He's like bouncing off the bed and and doing all kinds of goofy, goofy shit. She mentions that she thought that he was practically invalid. And he's like, well, that was an hour ago, ma'am. You know how quickly we mutants recuperate. Saying um, that all mutants makes... have a healing power. Right. Nothing like some capricious calisthenics to while away a lethargic day. But on the next panel, he asks, you know, why are you here? And she's like, I can't even speak. You know, you can you ever speak like a like a normal human being? Because he uses ep- exemplary epithets and, and all these phrases that she's just like, oh, come on. But he comes out with some some really like nasty language. He calls her a wench. Very perspicuous of you. A wench. And therein lies my charm. So. Yeah, calling her a wench, dude, that's fucked up. And then he tells her, like, she's basically lecturing him and telling him, well, I'm going to keep you still because you're bouncing around. I'm going to hold you in my my telekinetic. He's just being very condescending and dismissive and sexist and just generally, I mean, prattle away then, female. He's just being very, he's being a dick. He's being Mm. a dick. He's being a sexist dick and and generally unruly, which which the beast tends to be, but because he's verbose while he's doing it, using all this superfluous language, because really it is, it's totally mm-hmm. superfluous, um, you know, just the way he's speaking. Um, it, it's supposed to come across differently, but he's actually being quite uh, unruly and, and actually rather beastly. Ugh. I bet you, I bet you he's the character that Stanley identifies the most with. <laughs> what's the next comment that he makes i mean he says just like a woman right if someone isn't fracturing your eardrums every conceivable minute you begin to fear that something's amiss ironic coming from him (laughs) it really is (laughs) he does apologize i don't know why he apologizes because obviously he feels that that's appropriate what he just what he just said i've i I was not expecting Hank to be this this much of an asshole. He's supposed to be goofing off and just saying, "What? I'm just having fun," you know. Um, but he's he's actually being a jerk to her specifically, mm-hmm. and and I, I oh, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. I, I did mean, like the art in this panel, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going back to Werner Roth's. Uh, we're talking about the last panel on page thirteen. We're going back to his. Uh, romance story roots you know so it looks great they decide to go back to the mansion um to help out professor x and uh, angel and uh, cyclops and of course gene and hank both get caught because the bad guy has again like i said earlier lined to the inside of the hallway with some slippery substance and so they can't they run in and they can't stop. Um, <laughs> so they get they get caught in a, in a cage of some sort. The fun thing here is, is that the bad guy has now captured all of X-Men except for Iceman. And he 
probably there's no need to worry about him because Iceman's going to die. Iceman starts talking in, in his, you know, his stupor. He's like delirious. Bad guy puts the X-Men in a balloon, an air balloon, and launches them into the sky. 100,000 uh, feet in the air. That's right. At that point, Warren's parents show up at the school. And, you know, they're kind of stoked about seeing their kid. The dad is, is to me, the dad is very, he's like, strange. Nobody came to the door to, to greet us. They must have heard our car. Like, you know, they heard our car. Why aren't they here taking our, why aren't they taking our luggage? You know, I, I get the feeling that he's that kind of day, that kind of guy. She's like, well, maybe they're busy with their test here. And the voice, the purple hand opens the door and says, ah, you must be parents of a student. The dad says, but who are you? He says, I. I am power and call me Magneto. I was not expecting that. <laughs> not. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that, Drew. I love that you didn't know that this was a surprise for you. It was just cool. so soon after he left. I was like, there's no, it's been like three issues. He's not coming back yet. There's no way he can get back yeah. in space. That basically means that this is another two-parter. It's kind of cool that, yeah, they're getting into the story more and they're, they're making things mm -hmm. a little more complex. Crimes of Xavier. You want to hear them? Yes. The crimes uh, of Xavier. I had only written down that he was kind of dismissing that Bobby's parents should be there, you know, given that Bobby's about to die. Yeah. Letting Which Kim maybe die anonymously. Is yeah. Well, you, so you kind of let him off the hook because he mind wiped the police. The paramedics <laughs> and the military in the first page. He oh, that's that's right. But that that happened in the last issue too. So that was all one crime. Okay. <laughs> then he might. Then he was mind controlling the entire hospital. And I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, very good point. So, uh, tell me your thoughts on the on the issue before we go into the next one. I love that issue. Yeah. Cool. Um, I did too, and and the reason was I like the convention of not showing you who the bad guy is, like keeping him a secret the whole time, and and to the even to the degree of him doing things like Magneto would normally go, I'm the master of magnetism, I'm just going to magnetize everybody, um, but but you know he's like I'm going to wrap the hallway with wax paper so people slip when they come in the door, or I'm going to. You know, all this, all this crazy, the crazy contraption that, that captured Professor X. I'm going to, I'm really going to do this. This is, this is, and you know, they had to have seen him. They know it's Magneto. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because he, he well, came face to face with each of them. Jean Grey even says, shouts you at him at some point. Next up is X-Men, X-Men number 18, released January 4th, 1966. Stan Lee on the writing, pencils and just totally Jay Gavin, a.k.a. Werner Roth, inks are Dick Ayers, letters Artie Simic. Now, this cover is also done by uh, Jay Gavin and Dick Ayers. So the title is If Iceman Should Fail. So basically what this story is about is Iceman has to come out of a coma and go to the mansion and save the rest of the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Busy yeah, it day. Was a, it was a lot. I mean, they were, at, it was asking a lot. Especially of a 16 year old. 
Yeah, it was another yeah, right. crown of Xavier's, basically. Yeah, stepping up really quick from, you know, being the boy that makes ice cream for giraffes to saving the entire team all in a couple issues. Nice. It's it trip. was also magnetism on ice. Magnetism on ice. Um, so Magneto's mad at the X-Men. Now, I want you to see if I get this right. Magneto is here to take out the X-Men because... He blames them for what happened with the stranger. The stranger took him. He was abducted by an alien that had nothing to do with the X-Men. Am I right? No, you were. That was that. I had the same note. Why does he blame the X-Men? Should why? Why should the X-Men have even tried to save him? I mean, they were dicks about it. They're like, oh, good. Well, he's gone forever. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're, they're like, they Magneto's off our back. Phew. But. But but he didn't do he didn't cause that. Yeah, definitely it was definitely weird. It was like that was like the, the the weakest excuse of the of I've ever seen. I don't know, maybe he was brainwashed by the alien. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he was brainwashed by Xavier. The more likely Flashy. scenario. Who is actually <laughs> the alien. Yeah, flashy <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um Yeah, that whole stranger thing was just a a tequila-fueled Professor X brain implant. <laughs> I'd imagine. So one of the cool things I like about this is also one of the most ridiculous things about this issue is that he captured the Worthingtons. They show up at the door, and he's like, oh, come on in. And then he's like, I'm going to use the power of magnetism to hypnotize you. Yes, he uses his magnetic personality. Right. Yeah. They're really playing with the term magnetism here. Yeah. Yeah. Very loosely. But I, at the same time, I think that's just really cool. Uh, I think it's ridiculous and it's fun. Magnetism in quotes. Well, my, I, I love the fact that like Magneto like gives, just gives him the stink eye too. Mm. On page four, he does the, <laughs> he's got one eye open real wide and it's green yeah, I, all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah. That was I interesting. I love that. I love that panel. That, yeah, when he's using that power, boy, and he only uses it the one time. Yes. Oh, that was yeah, magnetic attraction. Hey, now. You know, he's trying to get. He's way. trying to get. He's trying to get the Worthingtons into a three-way. <laughs> Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch had to come from somewhere, so that's not the first time <laughs> yeah. he's used it. That's yeah, yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um. Maybe only yeah, one so. of them is his children. Don't want to think about that too hard. <laughs> and then, is... and then there's another comment. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jane. No, I was going to say no. This isn't the first time he's pulled the magnetism three-way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a comment that I have here about Xavier using counter ego to fight the right. effects of the mental disorder. Counter ego. Right. I have that written down too. Counter ego. What? What is that? Is that his? Im massive ego outcompeting magneto's massive ego it's just yet another piece of evidence to that points to my theory that stan has never actually talked to people <laughs> he used his counter ego to fight the effects of the mental disorder when he probably could have used sharp mental shards or whatever they're called <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and then and then so so Magneto's in the in the the mansion, and he has this device that scans the DNA of the Worthingtons, 
because they gave birth to a mutant. So he, scanning their DNA. It. He made the device. Uh, he made the device out of parts Stuff of Stuff from Xavier's lab, which I think means that Xavier had a sketchy lab. Well, we know that. <laughs> so he scans their DNA because he wants to make mutants, uh, super mutants of his own, an army, a mutant army. Couldn't he, though, scan the mutants that he has captured? He's actually got to scan the humans. Right. Yeah, the whole thing. Well, I mean, and we completely skipped over where the doctor, Iceman's doctor, turned out to be Cable. What? What? <laughs> Did you not see that gun he went after Iceman with? with the shoe with the <laughs> Oh, yeah, that weird, that experimental gun. five, that ex- yeah. That experimental gun that has the it, drug in it, yeah. Yeah, hypodermic. It's like a hypodermic, but it's a train. Yeah, it's like a big, it, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, Cyclops' son can't traveled back in time to make sure that that Bobby Drake woke up in time to save his dad so he could impregnate Jean Grey and make sure he was born. Oh, wait, it, that's not right because he's not Jean Grey's kid. Son of a bitch! I was just going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think this he was. looks like the, 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 the crazy hypodermic gun that he uses to shoot Iceman with to give him this new experimental drug that is supposed to wake him out of a coma. This this looks like something that they use at zoos to trank crazy elephants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but his thick hide is made out of ice, so maybe that's why. Here's my here's my note on this page because I thought it was fun. So, sulfa drugs are used to treat urinary tract infections. <laughs> I want to know is <laughs> the, the note I wrote was who the fuck is Iceman's doctor, Doctor Mario. <laughs> Doctor Mario, <laughs> perfect. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that though, because I literally had no idea what a sulfa drug was. I just thought it was some made up, or like a '60s specific pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. In this issue, is this the first time we got to see Iceman slide? Because he has an ice slide in here, and I don't remember seeing him except for the cover of of the the one with. Uh, Master Mold. I don't see remember seeing him use an ice slide. He's used it with Hank when they were trying to get to the club. And when Hank and him were out in the city, out and about, they used uh-huh. it then. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so so I feel like he's using it really well here. I mean, and it, it's he's almost given us instruction on how to use the ice slide, which makes me think back to the Sentinel issue where he could have probably used the ice slide rather than this glider thing that that cyclops had to shoot in a you know maybe before it to fly across the ravine but anyway uh, it's all convention to keep the story going magneto's making mutants bobby goes to the school and stops magneto he thwarts his efforts by putting an ice shield over uh angel's parents so that they can't be scanned and it makes the mutants disappear it really seems like the easy way out but okay <laughs> <laughs> there was just this one was just it was all kinds of weird stuff going on in this one like mm-hmm. like it was at, at one point when everyone wakes up in the gondola and and and, and jeans over checking on cyclops i'm like man this is like a setup for bad porn like yeah. jeans gonna take advantage of the unconscious cyclops while professor x and beast try and wake up Warren over in the other corner for 15 to 20 minutes it was it was a busy issue yeah, there was really a lot going on. Like, well, it was a it was a busy arc, 
actually. Mm-hmm. This issue and the one before were very busy. As busy as it felt, it still felt like not a lot happened. I don't know if that how that works out. But yeah, there's an army of mutants being built. The Worthingtons are captured. All the X-Men are captured. Iceman has to save the day. There's a doctor with an elephant gun. It's crazy busy. I like the art in this, in this particular issue. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, it, and another thing I'm noticing, too, is that Iceman wasn't so bad in this issue. No, as far no, as art, he really, yeah. he, as far as art and stepping up and being the hero, too. Mm-hmm. Well, there's that, too. Yeah. But yeah, that, that too. No, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the things that I did notice was I thought that even back here, they had, I thought that Professor X had mentioned at one point that he could not read Magneto, Magneto's mind because of the helmet, right? Uh, I thought that was mentioned at some point. Okay, I thought so too, because I just thought it was odd that that Professor X was able to read Magneto's mind from space mm-hmm. and just to p- figure out how he got off of the stranger's out of the stranger's grip. Yeah, I don't recall that he mentioned that he couldn't read Magneto's I mind. don't either. Okay, I could be wrong, but I I seem I, to I think Magneto's Magneto's helmet with the uh circuitry that keeps Xavier out of it. I think that doesn't actually happen until later. Okay. Uh, yeah, um, like I said, I but, could be wrong, but So he, so here at the ending we're going into another crime of Xavier's that I want to point out. Uh, first of all, I just want to say Iceman creates a really cool way to get Magneto out of the house, creates a tube that somehow he gets sucked into and spun around and spit out. But the X-Men free themselves from the balloon. They show up at the mansion and Xavier's like, I know how to stop Magneto. And what he does is he basically uses the power of his mind to call the same alien that abducted Magneto the first time to come and take him back. <laughs> now it's now it's his fault. Yes, now it's his fault. Now Magneto has a legitimate grape. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, knowing Magneto these days in the era of Krakoa and how he and Charles are buds and are, you know, uh, kind of working the same angle, I would still be holding this against him. <laughs> you know, I would. Remember, remember that time when you called the alien and had him come abduct me? I will never forget the probes. The you know the, <laughs> the you stuck surgery. me there with toad. <laughs> yeah. So one other thing that really bugged me about this issue is mm-hmm. the sliding door in between the bedrooms and the laboratory. <laughs> and this is just like this is just like because that means that they were there. Those are there mm-hmm. in the mansion for. <laughs> the first 17 issues of this book and professor X is looking in on everyone while they're sleeping, rubbing one out and then wiping <laughs> their memory just to be safe. He can Where is this anyway. happening? I don't remember, remember this that, at all. Well, yeah. Beast, I think goes through that little door. Um, so yeah, but if that... you look at the first, I think the first time they show it is on page seven. Okay. Uh-huh. The Worthingtons are asleep in the room, and Magneto opens the sliding door and oh, puts, right. and puts the the mutant DNA sucker into the yeah. room. That's <laughs> right. so funny! Oh my god! Um, so Rowan and I were talking about this earlier with somebody, and that 
one of the crimes of Xavier is that he is always with you. Like I can talk to Drew anytime I want. I can see Drew tomorrow and, and we can have a chat. But, you know, that's on my terms and Drew's terms. If I go to talk to Drew and Drew doesn't want to talk to me, he could turn around and walk off and I can't talk to him. But it doesn't matter where you go. Xavier can always talk to you. <laughs> so so Gene Gray, uh, the, Hank McCoy could be on the toilet pooping. And Xavier's like, so Hank. <laughs> and Hank's like, like uh, five seconds to get to my office. <laughs> put a little privacy here, Professor. Or, or you know, what if Gene Gray and Cyclops are in, in a moment of passion, and then Xavier <laughs> pops in with, "So I was thinking about what we could do to the Blackbird," you know? And they're like, "No, not right now." <laughs> you know, he's he's he just does not he he doesn't he doesn't they like did not consent to. To the to this, we yeah. we talked about whether or not that could have been a scenario that maybe he uh, arranged with the team, or that could be played out. That could be a thing. Mm. Um, but the way that, but the way that he just mind wipes and pushes people to do his bidding, kind of suggests that no, that is not an arrangement that he's made. He just yeah, he just pushes himself into people's minds. Yep. All right. Okay. I had a I had a couple of notes um, about this issue. The very first, my very first note is page one, the credits on this issue. I really, really uh -huh. liked the credits. Like yeah. a fair story by Stanley, adequate art by mm -hmm. Jay Gavin, tolerable inkings by Dick Ayers. Kind of self-deprecating, but then for Artie Zimmick, who's apparently it's his birthday this month or that month. The world's greatest lettering by Artie. <laughs> like, <laughs> cute. Yeah. And then Good old the, Artie, the, he finally gets his recognition. And then the irony of it is, is the descriptions were fairly accurate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. The big one for me, though, <laughs> the biggest issue for me, this this issue, and it does get alleviated at the on the very last page of this, but Magneto's whole thing is he wants to enslave humanity so he can save mutants. And yet he's creating these mutant clones to enslave. Right. And that that just seems like everything opposite of what Magneto would stand for. And that really bugged me. But then on the on the last page, um who I don't know who's talking here. It's it's very unclear, but it says the android mutants, they vanished, faded away into nothingness. So all of a sudden they're androids now. Like what's I think the idea is that they're mindless drones. That's just just that, that whole plot line was. Let me point out, me. they're mindless. Bush League, Bush League, slaves. Marjorie. They're mindless, naked slave drones that look like Charles Xavier. Um, yeah. We know what Magneto was planning for later. <laughs> so, uh, also the other thing on this page, by the way, is the Worthingtons waking up, going, "Oh, I feel totally rested." Yeah, I just wish I could remember the last day's events. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I don't I don't remember either, but it doesn't matter. I feel so good right now. <laughs> yeah, well, then there's yeah. the, the other side of that, too, is that the Worthingtons went to the mansion because they were worried about Warren being on a field trip and something happening. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the book, they're happy that they went on a field trip. So mm -hmm. the whole point of them going to the house was nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I think what it shows is that they didn't trust Xavier. Yeah. And then he mind wipes them. 
And they were like, okay, well, apparently we can trust him. Nothing <laughs> happened. <laughs> is this, this is like, this is a very, very early instance of fridging to an extent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was it's exactly. creepy and disturbing and Professor X is evil. <laughs> so in my crimes of Xavier, I have mind wiping the Worthingtons, calling the stranger to abduct Magneto again. And then uh, he's got Jean in the fucking kitchen on the last panel. She's got an apron on and she's serving everybody food. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, that was X-Men number 18. Next issue, it says a new type of foe, a new type of story, a new type of action, but the same old Marvel magic. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, no, that, that, was, was, that was an interesting one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so what are we going to be looking at so, next episode, Rob? Next episode, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go off the tracks a little bit. So we're going to read X Men number nineteen, um, which includes one of my favorite non X Men, or I should say, one of my favorite X Men villains, um, and then Strange Tales number one twenty, and Strange Tales number one twenty is kind of a flashback we talked about uh the the meeting with the fantastic four for the first time and they referenced Iceman and human torch meeting already so this is a look at that issue since we missed it yet at any rate spoiler alert when you say we're we're going off the the beaten path no we're going when it comes to that strange tales we're going off the rails because there is some nonsense going on in that <laughs> there, yes, there, there is, is but it is such a fun issue it is I it's fun it. It is. Um, at any rate uh, uh, yeah, it, was, it, for... it was it was a combination of this is some bullshit <laughs> awesome bullshit <laughs> <laughs> um when we go to talk about that issue i got a few things to say about the bad guy in that issue strangely enough this bad guy seems like he's going to be a one-shotter and never never heard from again but he shows up throughout the years up until modern day so, really? Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And there's he gets some... meaner and tougher as time goes on. There's definitely some crimes of Xavier in, in that issue, too. Yeah. <laughs> Which is impressive because he's not even there. Right. He's not even there. All right. Well, thanks, you guys. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>